Welcome to another inspirational message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. For more information and great content, jump over to our website at elamchurchchristchurchcity.org. We hope you enjoy this message. You go with me to the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, if you've got your Bible on your phone, um, or if you are sitting next to someone with a Bible, just look over their shoulder. But don't worry if you don't have one, because I'm going to read it for you too. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Acts chapter 15. Um, the book of Acts, for just some context, is written after Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and uh, he's ascended to heaven, and then now the, the early church, the apostles, uh, going out and spreading the gospel and the good news, and churches are being planted and strengthened, and all kinds of amazing, crazy move of God stuff is taking place, and uh, there's a, a character in amongst all of that named the Apostle Paul. He's a really important figure in the New Testament, and so we're going to have a little look at uh, where he sh- one part where he shows up in the book of Acts right now in this really interesting interaction. Oh, here we go. We've got it on the screen. Amazing. Acts 15, verse 36 to 41 says this. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Um, I've called today's message, and if you want a title for it, if you want to take notes, I've called it Disagreements, Disputes. And beautiful truth. Disagreements, disputes, and beautiful truth. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, I've certainly noticed that there is no place wilder and more crazy and out, out of control than the world of online comment sections. Have you guys noticed? You guys had those down in Christchurch, right? Man, like it is the wild west out there on a comment section. Everyone has an opinion and everyone wants to disagree. And there are just professional arguers out there who just seem to be on every comment thread, on every newspaper thread, on every Facebook post. They just will disagree. They'll have a dispute. They'll, be, they'll argue about it for the sake of arguing. You can't say anything online without someone disagreeing or having a dispute. You could say, you could go on your Facebook and you could say something as innocent as thinking about getting a puppy. Watch out because the next comment coming up on that post is something like this. So what you're basically saying is you hate cats. And by the way, your silence on guinea pigs is deafening. Watch out. I mean, it's, it's out of control. I, don't, I never kind of engage in the online comment scene because there's no good can come from that. So listen, if you're, if you're a Christian keyboard warrior, be a warrior for the Lord, not for that. Like it's just, it's not helpful. You're not convincing anybody. You're not changing anyone's mind. It's, it's not a helpful place. But what I do like to do is grab my popcorn and just sit there and scroll and just, and just watch the drama unfold. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But what a, it's not a wonderful thing, but it's a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm noticing right now a world filled with disagreement, filled with dispute, filled with arguments, filled with differences. And my concern is that as Christians, we can get sucked into an unhealthy and unbiblical way of dealing with disputes and disagreements. I'm seeing that we could become the church that handles disputes and disagreements like the world handles disputes and disagreements. And in fact, we can come at 
disagreements with a, even a, an unhealthy way of approaching them or even seeing them like they are something so incredibly negative and it can ha- we can have a very unhealthy view and approach to dealing with disagreements. Now, as the church and as Christians and as followers of Jesus, I need to let you know that we're not all going to agree on everything all the time. Even in the church, we're going to disagree on some stuff. There's going to be some stuff that we don't see eye to eye on, and that's okay. We won't all agree all the time, but the question is, how do we navigate that? How do we navigate it when, when within, especially within the church and with our interactions with people outside the church, how do we navigate when we disagree, when there's a dispute, when there's something that is, is threatening to cause a, a division or a split, like Paul and Barnabas split? What do we do and how do we navigate that? I want to look at this interaction between Paul and Barnabas because I think it's really powerful and really amazing. And amongst it is some beautiful truth that we can discover. And I, and, and I pray this helps you. Because Paul and, Paul and Barnabas are friends. They are co-laborers for Christ. They've been going around. They've been preaching the, wor- the Word. They've been preaching the gospel of Jesus. They've been planting churches, seeing miracles, seeing people come to know Jesus, seeing souls saved, all this amazing stuff. And they're like, let's go on a journey again to go and strengthen those churches that we've been to and preach the gospel. And then, boom, a disagreement a dispute. And the Bible says it was so sharp. Wow. It was so pointed. It was so cutting that they parted company over this disagreement. And I want to just pull out some observations I make from this. And my prayer is that today that you and I that this will help you, you and me, navigate when we find ourselves in that place of disagreement, because we're going we're gonna to get there. When we find ourselves in that place, I pray this helps us to navigate it in a beautiful and godly way. And in the midst of our disagreements, that we'll find beautiful truth in the midst of it all. Is that okay? I pray this really helps you, because we need this in our lives right now. The first thing I see is this. Number one, the disagreement reveals grace and truth. The disagreement reveals grace and truth. I have two sons. My oldest son, Judah, is 12, and my youngest son, Rocky, is about to turn nine. And pray for my wife. She's going to be, I'm, I'm away a lot. Of the, I'm here this now, and I'm back, in, back down here in, um, in the middle of the week, and I'm in Wellington this week. So she's going to be looking after two boys and three dogs. So pray for my wife. Uh, she's amazing. So many of you may know my wife, Bex, but... Uh, so we just, around this time last year, we bought a new home. So we'd uh, built our own home like uh, a few years back. Our first time was an amazing miracle. And then we, it was really small, really tiny. And so we, we sold that. We upgraded to a slightly bigger home. And it was a miracle, amazing God story. If you want to know that story, it's, a total, it's an amazing God miracle story. But uh, we bought this new home and we moved in and we've been in the house for three days. And uh, my wife took our oldest boy, Judah. He had football training. So she took him off to football training. And then it was me and Rocky, the younger one, left at home. And I'd had a busy day and I got home and I was, I was heating up my dinner and I sat down to watch a little bit of American Pickers. Great show, if anyone's with me on that. And, uh, and Rocky comes to me and he says, Dad, can I have a bath? And we didn't have a bath in our old house and, and he'd had a few baths by then and he knew what to do and knew how to run it and knew how to take care of himself. I'm like, dude, sure, you can have a bath. I'll come check on you in a minute. So, um, 
I got distracted and I was eating my food and I was watching American Pickers and next thing I hear are these footsteps running down the stairs. The bath is upstairs, running down the stairs and all I hear is Rocky going, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. I'm like, oh no, what oh no, what oh no. And, and what, what happens just before you came down the stairs, I started to hear this tapping noise. I'm like, what is that tapping noise? He runs down the stairs. He's saying, oh no, oh no. And I'm like, what? Oh no. He goes, dad, the bath. I'm like, the bath. And so I run down the hallway and the tapping noise is the water coming through the light fittings in the garage. It is cascading through the floor, the, the ceiling. I run upstairs. He's flooded the bath. The bath is so, there is water absolutely everywhere. I pull the plug out. I'm getting, I I use every single towel in our house. I'm freaking out because my wife has left me alone, responsible for our house. We've lived in for three days. And I'm going to, I'm grabbing the dog. I'm mopping up water with the dog. I'm just like anything. I'm using everything I can, I can possibly find. There's water just cascading through into our second, our, our ground floor. And it's just, it's a nightmare. And all I can hear while I'm trying to like get all the water sopped up, all I hear is Rocky in his room saying this, oh, I'm a terrible kid. I'm a terrible kid. I'm, t- I'm a terrible kid. I'm such a bad kid. I'm a terrible kid. He just keeps repeating it over and over and over. And I'm, I'm like, I'm dealing with this, and now I've got to deal with this. Like, it's, it's, there's two things now on my front. I've got to deal with this. So I managed to kind of get the water under control. I go into his room. I said, Rocky, he's going, Dad, I'm a terrible kid. I'm a terrible kid. And, and I'm freaking out because I have to try and deal with this and also explain what happened to my wife. This is, I'm really worried. And, um, and if you know my wife, she loves home decor and how, uh, okay, so... He's like, I'm a terrible kid. And I said, Rocky, I said, dude, you made a mistake, but you're not a terrible kid. You just made a mistake. You just made a mistake. See, truth says you made a mistake, but grace says that's not who you are. Truth says, yeah, that's wrong. You did a bad thing. And others, some would also argue that I did a bad thing, but that's not about me right now. <laughs> you made a mistake. That's the truth. But that's not who you are. That's grace. I believe this, this story shows us that disagreements and disputes can be an opportunity to show grace and truth. See, Mark has let Paul and Barnabas down before. He's been on a journey with them before, and he abandoned them. He let them down. We don't know what happened, why he did that, but he abandoned them once before. And Paul is like, we can't trust this guy. He's let us down. He's hurt us. Truth. Barnabas is like, Yeah, but let's give him a second chance. Grace. Grace. See, my own experience, and I've been in ministry for over 20 years, and I've dealt with a lot of people. My my experience, my wisdom tells me that those who've let me down will let me down again. But my experience also tells me that those who've let me down can become my great assets and allies along the journey if I just give them a second chance. So who's right? Is Paul right? Or is, is Barnabas right? Which one of them is right? Some of you in the room, you'd be in team Barnabas. Others, you'd be in team Paul. Like we could have a wee church split right now about all this. Who's right? Is Paul right or is Barnabas right? Here's what I believe. I believe that together they're right. I believe that their parting company is a revelation of the completeness of the right answer, grace and truth. The, the right answer to the whole situation is displayed 
in the parting of company and the measure of grace and truth shown to Mark. Their parting company is the full expression of grace and truth to Mark. Paul expresses this truth with a mis- the, the truth of a mistake with consequences, and Barnabas reveals grace in the second chance for someone like Mark. It's their collective response that is right. So friends, you and I, as followers of Jesus, in our disagreements, we have to remember that God calls us to bring to our disagreements a full measure of grace and truth. And far too often, we can be heavy on one and light on the other. Far too often, and I've been watching the world play out over the last 12 months, we've been heavy on truth, but we haven't had a lot of grace. And I think my challenge to all of us is this. When we find ourselves in disagreements, in disputes, maybe with one another or with people around us, the call of God for us is to bring to that moment the full measure of grace and truth. Here's a question I'd love for you guys to ask yourselves when you find yourself in these situations. In my disagreements, am I showing an equal measure of grace and truth? Because we can be heavy on one or light on the other and miss it. In the, in the midst of that, there is some beautiful truth if we bring the full measure of grace and truth. The second thought I have, second observation I make is this. Oh, hello, that wasn't me. The distraction, number two, the, the disagreement doesn't distract. The disagreement doesn't distract. I am the king of distraction, as you can well tell by the Bath story. I get distracted very easily. In fact, I've self-diagnosed myself with a mild form of ADD. I think it's clearly what I have. Like, I just cannot stay focused on things. I'm distracted in meetings. I'm distracted in conversations. My wife is like, dude, you were mid-conversation, and you drifted off. Like, you went somewhere else. Come back to where we are. Like, I, I get distracted at dinner. I get distracted during prayer. Anyone else like that? You're mid-prayer, and you're like, lunch. Like, you just kind of go, you go somewhere totally different, and I get distracted. Like, you need to pray for me, man, because it's just like, I'm so aware of it that there's times where I get distracted, and I'm aware of, I, I wake up to my distraction. I'm like, oh, no, it happened again. I need to get back on, get back on to pray for my staff as well, because it's, it's going to be a nightmare for them. But what's interesting with, this, with um, disagreements and disputes, especially in the church, is that far too easily they can become distractions. When we disagree on something, when there's a dispute about something, it can so easily distract. In fact, I've seen many times along the journey where people find themselves at a place of disagreement, and that disagreement actually becomes a roadblock to purpose. Because they were once following Jesus, they were once following God, they were once sold out for the gospel. Now there's a disagreement or there's a dispute, and that has now hijacked them, and they are no longer running like they used to run because the, the, the disagreement has now become a distraction for them. But what I love about this account in the book of Acts is that for both Paul and Barnabas, although they disagreed and the the disagreement was so sharp that they went their own ways, they went their own ways but with the same purpose. The disagreement didn't distract them from the mission, from the purpose, and from the call of God on their lives. Although they disagreed, they were still unified in their purpose. Someone needs to hear this today. Although they disagreed, they were still unified in their purpose. Disagreement and disunity are not the same thing. We can disagree and still be unified. You can, like one can lead to the other, but disagreement and disunity 
are not the same thing. We can d- disagree and be unified in our mission and in our purpose. And the Bible says they both went their own ways, strengthening the churches. They did not go about on their own ways, airing all their concerns and complaints with the other churches. Let me tell you about what happened with Mark and Paul. Oh my, you won't believe it. Let me tell you about the drama with Barnabas. Oh my, God. they didn't go on to the other churches recruiting people onto their side. You've got to back me because look, this this thing has happened, and I, I need you to know that because I'm just you know I'm wanting to let you know because we're, we're we're really good at saying that things are not gossip in church when they really are gossip, and I just want you to pray about it for me, and, and I have this need. Let me tell you about what's going. On. They didn't go around trying to recruit people to their side or win people over or share the dispute or say you need to have the same offense that I have because this is an issue and come on to the grace side, come on to the truth side. They if they'd done that it would surely have not strengthened the church, but weakened it. But the Bible says that they went on their way, strengthening the churches. The disagreement didn't distract from the call of God on their lives and the purpose and the mission that God had for them. Friends, let me say it again. We won't always agree. We won't always agree on everything. Let's not major on the minors. This even Paul says later on in the New Testament, he says, let's not pass judgment on disputable matters. What that tells me is there's going to be disputable matters in the church. There's going to be some non-essential stuff that we can have difference on and we can have a different opinion on, but we're not to put that on other people and cast judgment on someone else who has a different opinion. We're, we're, we're to remain unified and stay unified on the essentials that we have, that there is a God who loves you, that there is a God who sent His only Son, Jesus, to a cross to die to pay the debt of sin that you and I were due. He took it upon Himself, and He conquered death in the grave, and He rose again to new life, and He has purpose for you, and His Word is good, and His Word is true, and if you align your life to Him, you will know life in all its fullness, and He's calling us, friends, to strengthen one another and build one another up and make a difference in this world for His kingdom's purposes. Let's not get distracted, somebody. Let's not get distracted. Here's a question. Have I let disagreement or dispute distract me from my purpose? Good. Because what I've seen over the last 18 months of the church journeying the COVID world is that some people have allowed their disagreement to become their gospel their disagreement has become their purpose. And so now the gospel they preach is not the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of something else. And they're trying to convert people to that gospel and their side and what they believe and what they want. You're distracted. The disagreement can become your purpose. I want to encourage you, come back to the gospel. Come back to the gospel. Gospel is the power of God to transform a life, to save anyone who would believe. That is our mission. That is our purpose. That is where we're going. That is what God has called you to do. Let's not get distracted. We can disagree, but we can stay on the same mission, the same purpose. My last thought is this. Team, you can join me. Here's my third observation. The disagreement created opportunity. This is a weird one. And this can sort of mess with our theology a little bit. Um, my wife and I have been married this year for 17 years. I know we got married when we were 12. It was amazing. It was a arranged marriage. It was, uh, we were in Old Testament. It was beautiful. Um, 
But on the odd occasion, like we love each other, and she, she's, the, she's the campus pastor. <laughs> Did someone just say good about that? We love each other. Good. Yes, it is good. It's, it's worthwhile. Um, she, so she's the campus pastor of our largest campus, of our botany campus up in Auckland. So um, like technically I'm, I'm her boss and her husband. Um, so what that means is um, she's my boss. That's pretty much what that means. Um, but we, we, we've been married for a long time. We love Jesus. We're serving God together. And occasionally, I know this isn't true for you because you guys are really good Christians, but we will occasionally have disagreements. Like some may call them arguments. I prefer disagreement. I prefer discussions. And, um, you know, sometimes these discussions can be a little bit painful and sometimes they can be a bit like hard to, to do and to have. And um, I know you guys, this, this never happens to you, but they can be difficult. Um, they can be really like sometimes they last a while. And when we have these discussions, it can often reveal some stuff. And it's like, oh, this isn't nice. This is hard. This can be a bit tough. But every single time we have those discussions, um, we always come out the other side of it better. We actually come out learning something. We grow. We, we, we have this opportunity to dialogue some stuff and actually come out the other side, understanding each other a whole lot better, seeing eye to eye a whole lot more and can move forward. Actually, we grow as a part of the journey and the process. And we can often look at disagreements and disputes, especially in church life, especially in a church community or in a small group or in the different relationships you have in church. We can often look at it as it's just a negative thing to disagree or to have a, a dispute. Like it's a, it's a negative thing. But I want to say to you, it, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. In fact, it can be an opportunity for dialogue and for growth and learning and becoming better. And what we see in this account is it was actually the disagreement that created an opportunity for growth. Paul and Barnabas are supposed to go on a journey to visit churches where they preach. That's two guys on one journey. Instead, Barnabas takes Mark and they go on their journey. They go to Cyprus. Then Paul picks up another guy called Silas. And Silas and him go to Syria and Cilicia. So what was two men on one journey is now four men on two journeys. More churches being reached, more gospel being spread, more communities being impacted, more opportunities for people. Listen, there's even greater leadership, discipleship opportunities as new people come on board and more territory is taken and more churches are strengthened. There is a multiplication effect that took place. Friends, I believe that if we stay faithful to the call of God if, in our disputes and our disagreements, if we approach them with a full measure of grace and truth, if we don't allow ourselves to be distracted but stay committed to our purpose, disagreements do not need to have a subtraction outcome. They can, in fact, have a multiplication effect where God gets in there and does what God says He does in Romans 8.28, where He causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him and accord according to His purpose. God gets in there and He takes something that's hard and something that's difficult and makes it a platform for opportunity and multiplication. So here's a question. 
What is the God opportunity in this disagreement? What is the God opportunity in this disagreement? When I don't see eye to eye with somebody, we have a different view on something, we have a different take on something, and we're showing equal measures of grace and truth, and we're keeping the main thing the main thing, we're not getting distracted. You gotta ask, God, what are you doing in this? How do you wanna use this for your glory and for your benefit? What was two men on one journey became four men on two journeys. Multiplication as a result of a dispute. But God does what God does. And He gets in and He uses it for, you, for His glory. I'll say it again, friends. We aren't always going to agree. And that's okay. In fact, that's healthy. If you find a church where everyone agrees on everything, run. Because you'll mess it up. <laughs> But when we find ourselves in that place of dispute, that place of disagreement with one another, can I encourage us to be the kind of church that endeavors to pursue grace and truth? To be the kind of church that keeps the main thing the main thing? Like, let's not allow our disagreements to distract us from the mission of God, which is to seek and save the lost, to redeem and reconcile this world to Him. Let's not get distracted. And let's be a church that always sees and looks for the God opportunities in every situation. Can I pray for you, church? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true and that it's good. And that those who align their lives to it will experience life. And Father, I pray for this great church in Christchurch City. I pray also over the campuses of this church, God, that this would be the kind of place where grace and truth are shown in their full measure. That we wouldn't be weighted one way or the other, but we would be a people who approach, especially our disagreements, with the fullness of grace and truth. Lord, your word says that Jesus, you were the full embodiment of grace and truth. So Lord, help us. Help us to have the wisdom to bring truth and correction, things where it needs to, but also the grace to say, that's not who you are. We believe in you. We believe God's got a call on your life. Father, I pray for us. Help us to be the kind of church that does not allow minors to become majors, that doesn't allow little disputes or things that we disagree on to become distractions from the mission. God, you have a great call upon this church. This church is called to be a light in this city, to seek and save the lost, to reconcile humanity back to Jesus. Lord, to bring hope and bring healing and bring restoration and breakthrough to homes and lives and communities. So God, help us not to get distracted, but keep on mission. And Father, if any of us have lost our way, and maybe even some of us have started to articulate a message that is not the gospel, I pray help us to come back to our purpose. And Father, I pray that in the midst of all of it, there will be amazing Holy Spirit, divine opportunities where in the midst of dispute, there's growth 
and there's learning and there's opportunity and there's multiplication. Father, I pray for this wonderful church and I pray that those seeds of revival would begin to sprout. But Lord, may they sprout in our own lives. May they sprout in our own hearts. May they sprout in the form of personal devotion and holiness. May they sprout in the form of a life devoted to prayer and the Word. But Lord, may they become evident in our repentance and our turning away from sin and our desire to seek You and know You and live Your way. And God, I pray that there will be wonderful days ahead for this church and for each person here. This has been another great message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. For more content and updates, come see us on our Facebook page or jump over to our website. Thanks so much for listening.